Good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming out this morning to talk about the importance of influenza vaccines. My name is Dr. Jim Conway. I'm a pediatrician. I'm an infectious disease specialist, and I'm the medical director of the immunization programs at the University of Wisconsin and UW Health. Um, I want to make sure that, first off, from a UW Health standpoint, that I make sure everybody's aware that we're going to be able to start offering influenza vaccines on September 3rd and are already taking scheduled appointments for those vaccinations uh, as we speak. And then my chart messaging will be going out um, in the middle of September to try to prompt as many of our patients and their families to be able to start uh, getting their flu shots as well. You know, I think this is a, a remarkable time that we're in. Obviously, this is a historic pandemic that we're going through. And we really feel as a, as a group here that this is a, a year that more than ever, it's really important for families to get immunized against the, the flu. You know, ideally, we actually would really like people to do it as soon as possible. And in addition to flu, I think we want to make sure everybody's also taking the opportunity to check and see are there other vaccines that they may have missed during this long period of healthcare shutdown that we went through back in the spring and early summer. So this is a really you know, unique time, but it's also a really important opportunity for people to do what they can to protect themselves, to protect their families, and to protect their community. You know, we have every year tens of millions of Americans infected by influenza. And we have hundreds of thousands of hospitalizations and unfortunately tens of thousands of deaths every year from influenza. Unlike COVID-19, we have a real method of being able to protect ourselves against influenza, and that's by the use of immunization, essentially using our own Im immune system to fight back against this threat, this viral threat. And I think we all dream of having the opportunity to do the same with COVID-19 with a vaccine, but for now, the best we can do is try to do anything we can to minimize people who have fever, headache, muscle aches, and cough, because unfortunately, COVID-19 and influenza have a lot of similarities. And I think everybody's aware that anybody with those symptoms then needs to be evaluated and taken seriously. And anything we can do to diminish the number of people that are suffering through those symptoms will decrease the strain on the healthcare system, but also decrease the stress on families and individuals who have to deal with then isolation, waiting for test results. So anything anybody can do to pre prevent themselves from having those symptoms seems like it's a reasonable and prudent thing to do. You know, flu vaccines are safe, and they are incredibly easy to get and effective. And we have all of our collaborators here to talk about how every health system is going to do everything they can to protect and care for our communities. But we also need the communities to help. We need everybody in this community to help out and help us do what we can for you. We want to do everything we can for the community, but that means we need people to think about protecting themselves, protecting their families, and protecting their community by getting an influenza vaccine. It certainly helps that people have been increasingly better and better at hand hygiene. Hand hygiene helps with prevention of flu. It's important to wear masks. And as we know, masks will also prevent the transmission of respiratory viruses like flu. It's important to keep your distance and it's important to stay home if you're ill. But it's really important this year to get vaccinated with influenza vaccines that are safe and easy and effective. Doesn't matter whether it's an injection or whether it's a nasal mist, Whatever is the best choice for you and your provider will discuss those with you. That's your best opportunity to decrease and reduce your risk of disease, of severe disease, of hospitalization, and of death. There are, unfortunately, as I mentioned, similarities between flu and COVID that we're going to have to deal with. And this looks like we're going to have to deal with this for a while. But as I mentioned, all five of these things, hand hygiene, staying home if you're ill, wearing a mask, 
keeping your distance, and getting an influenza vaccine. Those are the five most important things we can do right now as a society and as a community to keep ourselves healthy, our families healthy, and our communities healthy. Thank you very much. I'd be happy to take questions after. In the meantime, I'm going to turn it over to one of my colleagues. Hi, I'm Dr. Susie Gomez-Goldman. I'm a family practice physician at Unity Point Health Meritor. While it's always important to get your flu shot every year, really this year it's extremely important. COVID-19 has had a significant impact on our community, and it's important we take advantage of the tools offered to us to keep ourselves and our community safe. There's no vaccine for COVID-19, but we do have a safe, effective, proven vaccine for influenza. The flu shot can greatly reduce your risk of getting influenza, and if you do get the flu, symptoms are typically more mild. <clears throat> Hand washing, masking, social distancing, staying home when you're sick are great ways to keeping the flu from spreading, but really the easiest and most effective tool we have is the flu vaccine. The flu protects against three or four strains of the, of the virus, depending on whether you get the quadrivalent or the trivalent vaccine. It protects against influenza A and B. The spread of the flu is extensively studied around the world, and we use that information to help update our vaccine every year to make it more effective. We often look at the southern hemisphere to see how severe the flu potentially will be. This year, we're seeing a more mild season, or that's multifactorial, likely from people getting the flu, ongoing precautions uh, to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. What we do know is that we can control the spread of the flu if we all do our part. The first step is making a plan to get your flu shot. Timing is quite important. Uh, we do know that influenza typically starts to pick up in October in Wisconsin. So getting your flu shot in September or October really is the best thing to do. It takes about two weeks for it to become fully effective and we wanna make sure it lasts through all the flu season. Find a way to make this a priority this fall. Please get your flu shot. I'd like to now introduce Dave Odenbaker, Vice President of Primary Care Services at SSM Health. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, again, Dave, Dave Ottenbaker from SSM. First, I'd like to just say how our patients can get the flu vaccine this year. Um, <clears throat> we're going to make a concerted effort to have not only our primary care docs, but our specialists also giving flu vaccines. So if you have a visit that's coming in September or October, please get the flu vaccine. You can also go on in my chart after September 1 and look for appointments that will be available. Um, and we also have, as we previously have, we have a flu hotline that will also be both in the MyChart and on our web page. Um, so again, an annual, an annual flu vaccine does protect you. Now the point here is it should be annual. Every year we try to predict the three or four different strains that are gonna be prevalent in our area. So that's why it's important that we get a flu vaccine every year. And again, that does protect you from uh, the flu. If, if we happen to not predict the right strain, it will also mitigate some of the symptoms um, anyway, so you'll have a milder case of the flu. So again, it's something that we really recommend and it should be given on a yearly basis. Again, in addition to protecting you, it also protects our community. Remember that if you're six years and old, six months of age and older, you can get the flu vaccine. There are some people who either will not get the flu vaccine or uh, will not be able to, and this will also protect them. And you've heard a lot of talk about herd immunity uh, as we're talking about a potential COVID-19 vaccine. That also is what we're looking for with the flu vaccine. If we have enough of us getting immunized, it will 
prevent us from from spreading this to other people, especially the people who are susceptible to the virus, such as people who are getting cancer treatments, the very young and the very old. The last point I want to make also is it also protects our healthcare community and our healthcare workers. Um, I think as several of our speakers have talked about, this could be an interesting year coming up this fall. If we can mitigate the amount of flu that's in our community, we will protect our healthcare community workers so that they can take care of other people, especially people who have COVID-19. Also, we'll create more capacity for our hospitals and for our ICU beds if we need them as we move forward in this fall and winter with uh, the unknown as it relates to COVID-19. So thank you. Good morning. I'm Jake Baggett. I'm the Executive Director of University Health Services at the UW-Madison campus. University Health Services has a long uh, tradition of establishing one of the largest flu campaigns in the country on a college campus. Last year, we gave out a record 16,000 flu shots. We know that's important every year. We know it's especially important this year. So we're, we're continuing to, uh, to, to keep that, that tradition uh, and actually hope to exceed those numbers. Flu shots will be available at, uh, on campus uh, starting September 8th, and they'll continue over several days through October 10th. You can go now to the uhswisc.edu slash flu shots uh, website and go ahead and schedule your appointments. All students and staff and faculty can, can go ahead and do that currently. Those uh, flu shots are going to be given at two sites uh, on, our, on our campus, both at the Nicholas Recreation Facility, uh, which... Uh, is newly constructed, as well as the Nielsen Tennyson Stadiums. We picked those two sites to provide as much appropriate space as we can to, to reach as many individuals as we can. So there's 15 different days that that's scheduled, uh, starting September 8th through the uh, October 10th. Um, so we just want to encourage folks to go ahead and get that done early, go ahead and get scheduled, and uh, hopefully we'll off, uh, mitigate any other concerns or complications that the people might experience. Uh, I'll turn it over to my colleague from Public Health. Good morning. My name is Sarah Hughes, and I'm the Immunization Coordinator at Public Health Madison-Dane County. This has been a year like no other. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the way, the, the way we work, live, and the way we interact with other people. It has had an enormous impact on all of our lives. We know that COVID-19 hasn't impacted us all equally. Frontline workers like nurses and grocery store workers have been at higher risks for being exposed to COVID-19, and the Black and Latino communities have seen higher rates of positive tests and hospitalizations. And people over 65 with underlying health conditions have, born, have been more at risk for severe illness. The COVID-19 pandemic has shown a light on the health inequities that are ever present in Dane County. That's why this year, more than ever, all of us must take action to prevent the flu by getting a flu vaccine. We see ahead of us the potential for a COVID-19 pandemic and the flu season to collide, causing widespread, widespread illness that could overwhelm hospitals. We're especially concerned about how this could impact folks in our community who are already disproportionately affected by COVID-19. We don't yet have a vaccine for COVID-19, but we do have a vaccine for the flu. And the more people that get vaccinated, the harder it will be for the flu to spread this winter. It takes all of us as a community to protect each other from both COVID-19 and the flu. We're asking that everyone get their flu shot this year as soon as they can, but we know that there's barriers for many folks. 
That's why we're taking steps to make this as easy as possible for you and your family to get immunized. Public Health Madison and Dane County will be coordinating a drive-through flu clinic here at the Align Energy Center this fall. Anyone ages six months and older who is uninsured or is on Badger Care will be able to get their flu shot at this clinic. It will be set up much like COVID-19 testing. People will be able to easily drive up and get their flu shot. We anticipate be, we anticipate this clinic will be up and running in early October and we'll announce more details at a later date. We also will update our website with more information when it's available. Uninsured children 18 years and younger can also get their flu shot at one of our existing clinics. We'll make an announcement when we receive our, our supply of flu vaccine so you can call the schedule to make an appointment. We know it's not easy to make the time to get a flu vaccine. By getting your vaccine, you're making your community safer for everyone, including your friends, families, neighbors, and everyone around you. Whether you go to your local pharmacy, your doctor's office, or one of our free clinics, you'll be taking a vital step to ensure everyone is able to stay healthy this winter. Thank you. Um, we won't be asking for proof of insurance versus not insurance, um, but we just ask that, that folks that do have insurance use the routes that are available to them to get the flu vaccine, whether it's the pharmacy or your doctor's office, so that our supply of vaccine can really go to the people who most need it. Yes, yep. Um, we'll make sure that that's clearly outlined and labeled. So now when you drive up to the Lion Energy Center, um, there's people that are directing you where to go for COVID-19 testing. And so it'll be similar to that of you'll go one way for a flu vaccine, another way for COVID-19 testing. Um, and to also just be clear as well of um, we cannot give a vaccine to someone who's experiencing symptoms or is COVID positive or has a pending COVID-19 test. So as we're entering this kind of new unknown territory of COVID-19 along with the flu vaccine, um, that's something that we'll also be screening for as well. What's the optimal vaccination rate rate that? And what if it's as an asset is coming fall? Anyone has a concern? Does someone, do you want to? I got such a big mouth, I figured I could just get it to work. Well, I mean, optimally, the goal is to immunize everybody, but obviously we don't even have enough vaccine produced to immunize the entire country. So, you know, there's about 330 million people in the United States. That we're, we're anticipating that the pharmaceutical companies are going to be coming with about 200 million doses. And you have to remember that kids less than eight need two doses their first year. So, you know, the best we're going to be able to hope for, you know, in any given year is about 60 percent, um, given the, the product that's available. But I think the goal is to use all of that product and immunize especially the highest risk populations. Um, you know, I think that we, one of the things we're all recognizing is that many of the same risk factors that put you at high risk for an 
a bad outcome with COVID are very similar to the same risk factors that put you at high risk for having a bad outcome from influenza. So the focus is really on that particular part of the population, but we have to be very importantly um, directing our attention also to the people that those people are around. I mean, now we've recognized that it's not being a, nur a nursing home aged person in particular, it's being in a nursing home and being exposed to people who bring the, these diseases in. It's the same kind of thing with influenza. We need to essentially create bubbles around our highest risk population. So we immunize them, but we also want to immunize everybody that they're in contact with. So the goal is, ideally to get to the point where you have immunization rates and, and herd immunity over 80% of the population. But for influenza, that's just not possible. Um, and so we're going to just have to do with the best with, with what we have. Yeah, I mean, the United States, you know, generally comes in somewhere between 38 and 42 percent of the, of the population gets immunized on any given year for influenza. Um, so that's sort of the ballpark about where we live. And I think we're really trying to push hard to see if we can get over 50 percent at least this year. I mean, that would make a substantial dent um, in the ability for influenza to circulate within our communities. Yeah, last year's flu season was actually both very interesting and actually on path to be one of the worst ones we would have had in, in quite a while. So if you'll remember, we had a relatively early flu season last year that kind of settled down a little bit and then picked up again kind of midwinter in January, settled down again. And then we were starting to see another escalation in March when we went into lockdown around the United States. And so, you know, at that point, we were looking at a particularly concerning season where we were almost going to have three peaks. Um, you know, we had about as many healthy kids die last year as died the year before. The year before was considered a you know, fairly substantial flu season where almost 200 kids died from influenza that year, and we ended up matching that exactly last year, having an abbreviated flu season you know, that kind of ended mid-March when we went into lockdown and people stopped circulating and stopped circulating viruses. So you know, that's sort of a good marker that it was as bad as the year before, and we weren't even done. And only by, you know, if you're going to look for a silver lining, the silver lining on the COVID situation was that it shut down the flu season earlier than it ever has. And so that was the only reason last year it didn't end up being, you know, a really catastrophic flu season. But obviously, you know, something more important and, and, more, and more pressing um, kind of took over the messaging from there. But it was a particularly concerning flu season last year. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we've seen in South America and Australia and New Zealand and other countries, you know, when they're in their winter and we're in our summer, you know, they're sort of demonstrating to us what flu season is going to look like. And in communities where people have been very compliant with social distancing measures, flu seasons have been relatively manageable because the same things we do to prevent COVID are the same things that work very nicely to prevent influenza. So I think we're hoping that the combination of good social distancing practice plus hopefully you know, record-setting numbers of influenza vaccine being distributed could actually get us through with a relatively mild flu season and at least make managing the COVID situation at least a little bit more manageable. I mean, I think we're as confident as we are in most years. You know, I think it's a, a good educated guess that has to happen back January, February each year to get us the flu vaccine we have. But, you know, I think we've seen less disease circulation, and I think less disease circulation 
means there's less opportunities for the viruses to keep mutating. You know, I think one of the things we all know about flu is there's lots of different strains, and as they pass from person to person, they constantly are changing. If there's less transmission happening, we hope that, that means been, there's been less opportunity for mutations so that hopefully the flu vaccine that was settled on back January, February is going to be even more applicable and, and, and more effective. Even if it's not a perfect match, though, the, the beauty, as, as was mentioned, is that the goal of the flu vaccine is to prevent serious disease. And so even if it drifts or shifts a little bit, it's still very effective at preventing severe disease. If we get the bonus that it prevents all disease and it is a perfect match and prevents any circulation, you know, we'll take it. But the goal is really to try to prevent any severe disease that leads to either hospitalization or death. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're terrified of the possibility of a twindemic, as we call it. I mean, as travel picks up again and as we see, you know, more loosening of restrictions around the, the country, I mean, that's the, the recipe for having disease then start to be transferred and reintroduced or introduced into different areas. And so depending on how the country continues to move back into some element of normalcy, that's where your risk factor comes from having the, the virus reintroduced. I mean, we know that there's already been flu cases here and there in the United States, um, even with the limitations on travel that we've seen. So we've already even had cases here in Wisconsin already. You know, it's not at the transmission rates that we worry about for, you know, getting towards any kind of peak, but it's already out there. Um, and, you know, I think we're seeing more and more travel, especially as people are returning to colleges and people are starting to kind of pick up some of their travel. And that's how these things get transmitted from place to place within the country. And so, you know, we certainly know that's how they come up from the southern hemisphere and get reintroduced into the northern hemisphere um, every year. So even with the limited amount of travel that's happening, we're already starting to see those signals of things starting to be reintroduced. I mean, I think part of the reason that we, we're trying to do this in a coordinated fashion is because, you know, I think if we do this together and do this in a, in, a, in a reasonably planned manner, that I think we can handle it. One of the things, you know, that most of the organizations aren't doing is having mass flu clinics or places where people can just kind of walk up into clinics. You know, I think most of the organizations, including both the university and UW Health, are doing everything on a scheduled basis. Um, and I think that's part of us trying to make sure that we're providing the safest environment for our patients and their families is respecting the need to actually do these things in a socially distanced way. Um, and so I think that scheduling part will also uh, allow us to manage then supply. But, you know, we've been very fortunate. I mean, people have been talking about this since March, April. And so the pharmaceutical companies have been really working overtime to get vaccine to be available earlier than ever. And I think we're very pleased that things have gone really well with production this year. So we're very optimistic that we've got plenty of vaccine already coming into the community already. And that's why we can start immunizing, you know, in early September the way we've now planned to because we've actually been fortunate to get vaccine. So I don't think we're really particularly worried about a rush or about being able to manage a rush because I think we've got sufficient capacity, sufficient supply, and a really good organized way of, of getting vaccine to people in a, in a way that's safe for them. Somebody else has got to have something else to say. Yes, sir. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I, you know, I think that in general, you know, one of the things we worry about is that, you know, as I mentioned, you know, fever, headache, 
cough and muscle aches, like most years, that's the definition of the flu. Unfortunately, this year, that's the definition of the flu or COVID-19. And so anybody with those symptoms is then going to need to be tested regardless of which part of the health system they, they are um, cared for within. Um, and so that is potentially going to add to the stress on just being able to provide testing, uh, you know, as, as e easily and ably as we want to. And I think periodically we're seeing shortages of certain reagents or certain components of those kits. So anything we can do to diminish the number of tests that need to be done, you know, essentially extends our, our supply out much longer. So if we can take most of the flu people out of that mix, you know, I think we'll be in much better shape. But, you know, I think what we're all up here terrified of is if we did get a particularly bad flu season and COVID-19 continues to have these surges, you know, both the health systems and the communities would really be in a great, in a great stress. And so I think anything we can do as a community to pull together and try to do anything we can to prevent ongoing symptoms and transmission into our vulnerable populations, then that's what we all need to do to, to get through this together. Um, I, I mean, I've heard that most areas around the state are trying to at least coordinate. You know, we have a, a network of immunization coalitions around the state where public health and health systems um, kind of work together in different areas to try to coordinate things. So my understanding is that, you know, everybody around the state is trying to do something similar. I think we're out a little further on the curve. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons, including that we actually have a great immunization coalition. I'm talking to Sarah because her office and, and many of her colleagues help manage that. But we've got a really great Dane County immunization coalition where we started talking about this probably back in April about how we would be able to, to plan and get ahead of influenza and do it together in a, in a coordinated way because we knew that this was going to be a potential threat. You know, even though we all hoped that COVID-19 would suddenly and magically go away, just in case it didn't, <laughs> um, we wanted to be organized and prepared for that. And I think we've successfully done probably the best job we've done in, in recent um, uh, memory in, in getting that together and in figuring out what's the best way we can serve our clients. But I'm hoping that the rest of the state and other areas, you know, are doing the same kind of thing and, and really trying to coordinate these things. You know, I think there's efficiency when you've got a lot of different expertise at the table. And I think we've really learned from each other and come up with really good ideas um, that have helped. You know, I think we've had to struggle through you know, you can't just dust off the old playbook and just try to make the plays work better. You know, we really had to develop a new playbook this year because mass flu clinics where people just kind of show up whenever they want just were not going to be practical and, and reasonable, and we're going to be unsafe for both the health providers and for the patients and their families. So we really needed to come up with a better and novel way to do this, and I, I'm very impressed by hearing from my colleagues that each has a slightly different way of doing these things, but it's really going to work for their system to do this in a really organized way. Again, it's safe and that can move this stuff you know, ahead very quickly. Maybe I just want to like add a song. No, I know, I know Wahlberg was going to. That's a, David, that is a great question, and I think that's one of the things we've been particularly concerned about is that I think for many years we've leaned on offices and workplaces delivering vaccine to a substantial part of the community, and with most people working at home and in 
these you know, alternative work structures, we do feel like we've got a lot more responsibility for immunizing people than we would have in many other years. And so that is a very, very poignant and, and very concerning part of this is that it's just a whole new normal. And so we've got to be prepared in a different way for a different volume of patients, for trying to get them in earlier, you know, before any of this stuff shows up. Because obviously, you know, anybody with respiratory symptoms is going to be a concern coming in. So as soon as colds and flus and all those things start to circulate, it just makes things that much more challenging. So if we can do it when we're kind of in this window where we've got vaccine available and there isn't a lot of disease circulating, you know, that's really the optimal way and the time to do this. One other thing I should mention that I know somebody's going to think of as we walk out of here is the concern about is immunizing this early too early. And I think that's one of the things that we even had to answer within our systems to some of our colleagues. And I think there's a couple of things to think about. You know, there traditionally are late season little outbreaks that happen often in March or April. For many years, it was thought that those were related to immunity sort of fading away a little bit. It turns out a lot of those were, especially back when most of the vaccines were trivalent. So in the trivalent vaccines, you had two types of A and only one type of B. But every year, there's two types of B one shows up earlier and one shows up later. And so finally, it, it occurred to somebody after many years of doing the same thing that maybe it would be better if we just put both types of B in there. And so now most of the vaccines, the vast majority of vaccines that are now available are quadrivalent. They have both types of A, two different types of A and both types of B. And so we think that that's actually you know, really important for making sure people understand that that's a lot of what the late season disease is. There is some evidence in older individuals that there is a little bit of waning of immunity over time. And so that's the reason that there are special vaccines now for individuals that are older that are either adjuvanted or are more high potency to try to give them more immune response so that it carries through for the rest of the season. But otherwise, for the rest of the population, you know, everybody agrees September, October is the optimal time to do vaccine. And again, this is the window when we think we've got the best opportunity to do it safely is to get started you know, in the beginning of September and, and go as quickly and as efficiently as we can.